Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. and welcome back to Truth and Justice. For today's episode, I've got something a little different for you. As I mentioned to you guys, I'm out on the road right now, and I'm going to be on the road for the next several weeks. I'm currently recording this in an Airbnb in Memphis, Tennessee. And so because of my travels, we're going to have to improvise a little bit on some of these episodes. And so for today, I have for you a very special guest, someone I've gotten to know over the last several years. She's a huge fan of our show, and I've even got to help her out on one of her shows. And that is the great Miss Allison Sweeney. You may be familiar with Allison from her character on Days of Our Lives, Sammy. She was also the host of The Biggest Loser, and she's been on several different Hallmark movies. But today I brought Allison on the show to talk about her new project, The Chronicle Mysteries. It's a three-part movie series that's airing on Hallmark, and her series was inspired by us. Not just us, or not just me, but true crime podcasters. In this series, she plays a grassroots podcaster that's using her podcast to help solve cold cases. It's really, really good, and it's really true to form to what we do. And so, since we had an episode to fill up, I asked Allison if she wanted to come on the show, and she was happy to do it. So today's episode is my conversation with Miss Allison Sweeney. We had a great, fun chat, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy the conversation. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications, and that's why yesterday I knew that he did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From something else, The Marshall Project and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, I am joined on the phone today by Miss Allison Sweeney. And Allison, before we get started, uh, my wife made me promise that I would say to you in this exact tone, hello, Sammy. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. I love it so much. Obviously, she knows. Yeah, so you have really sold the character on Days of Our Lives for years because every single time that I tell her that I'm speaking with you, she's like, oh, Sammy. Yes, right. I get under her skin. I love it. 
That is very funny. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can't wait to tell the actress who plays Kate. Uh, that's that voice that she's doing. And Kate and Sammy had this, like, very long-standing feud. And she, the actress, and I would always find a way to add that into a scene. Like, hello, Kate. Hello, Sammy. And so <laughs> the fact that she's doing it now, like, will make Lauren Coslow very happy. So thank you. Yep, I will let her know that Sammy was happy yeah. that she really liked that part of the movie. And and I said it it really shows your chops as an actress that she she really can't get past the fact that you're not Sammy. Right, right. I love it. I've met people before who are determined not to like me and I'm thinking like what did I do? Was I was I rude? Like what, I'm, I really sort of try to I like just met you. And then all of a sudden they'll say something like I, I was a big Carrie and Austin fan and I'm like, "Oh, I see." Oh, and then, then, I, and then I'm flattered, which is weird. Right? Yeah, it's a weird thing to be flattered about. <laughs> but she, she did, we were, we watched uh, the first, which is what I want to talk to you to, about today. We watched the first episode or first, I guess, movie. They're not really. It's almost like it feels like it's a series, but these are full length featured movies. Yes. Yeah. So it is a series of movies, but each movie will have its own case and its own conclusion. But then the characters carry on and. Uh, you know, find their next crime to investigate. Right. It sounds a lot like the Truth and Justice podcast. <laughs> it does. Hmm. <laughs> so uh, what we're talking about is uh, your new series of movies that are coming out on Hallmark. And two of them have already aired uh, is The Chronicle Mysteries. And the first one, which is one I've seen already, is Recovered. And that one is, I, I guess, tell us a little bit about that case and kind of what, because as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, Maybe something inspired some. Yeah, well, certainly. um, As you know, I am, I I guess, not a fan. A fan is a weird word, but I'm really interested in true crime. I listen to a lot of podcasts. And so I feel a little pressure actually now talking to you. Like, uh, you're definitely someone I listened to from the (laughs) beginning. I was like, oh, I hope he likes the way I portrayed the podcast. I I told uh, Laura Richards that. I know that if you're in a hotel room, like you would really have to throw the comforter over your head to try to make it sound good. But the director told me that I wasn't allowed to do that in the movie, (laughs) that that's not good for the visual. (laughs) You you say that as I am currently in a hotel room with a blanket over my head (laughs) recording this right now. (laughs) (laughs) See, like I I know how it goes, but you know, there's only so much uh, I can do. And so, but, but I've just been fascinated by the origin story of these podcasts and podcasters like you and um, Colin and people who found a case that captured them so much in real life that they couldn't help but like you had to find a voice for it. And, you know, what we do at the Hallmark Movies and Mysteries with all those like really great, the murder mystery stories we tell are often based in that idea of like, a real person with a, not a cop's job, you know, not a detective, like a regular person who just finds himself in a case and, and their common sense, their cleverness or detail oriented nature helps them get to the bottom of it. And I thought this pod, that is what is happening with podcasters, you know, around the globe actually now. And, mm-hmm. um, so I just thought I couldn't believe it wasn't already on TV and I wanted to do it and I wanted to, and I am so, such a fan of the genre that I wanted to play the podcaster. And I just have, I love it. So it's really comes from a very sincere place for me. And that definitely came through in the movie. So you play uh, your character is Alex McPherson, yes. who's a true crime podcaster. And you said you were, you're hoping you you got it right. 
I much more enjoyed watching your portrayal of a true crime podcaster than I do watching any other movie that's about, like, say, firefighting, because they never get it right. Right. You were much closer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I don't know if you know, Maimon, my husband is a cop, and he is the Mm -hmm. same. He's like, oh, that is just not how it, like, nothing. It's never how it is in real life. So I have to, so yes, I'm, I'm happy that I got closer with the podcasters and the prop department was super excited about like the handheld kit that I had and then upgrading it. In the second movie, you'll see that I got like a stand unit with, um, oh, I forget what they call that. The, the screen on top of it and real headphones Mm -hmm. and the whole, the whole kit. So it was really it was really cool to to see her get a little more into it as she goes along. I love that evolution because it's so true to form. I, I know for me personally, uh, you know, you, I started off my podcast with a hundred dollar kit from Amazon uh, yeah. with a cheap little mic, and then over the last four years, you know, you you get new equipment, and even for this. Um, so as you know, right now I'm I'm traveling for like six weeks, so we actually invested in some more nicer equipment so that I could still make podcasts that sounded good while I was out on the road. And it's just, and it's exactly like that. As you go, you just, right. you learn the trade, you learn what works and learn what doesn't. And you just, I mean, I thought you absolutely nailed the whole idea of the podcaster. And there was, there was one part at the beginning that I was going to give you shit about oh, good. until, and I want to, I, I don't want to spoil anything because it, it came to fruition at the end. Uh, why? But when, like you walked into the, to the newspaper office and you wanted to investigate the story and you know, the newspaper guy is like, sure, give her whatever she needs. I'm like, bullshit. They yeah, never do they that. They never do that. <laughs> right. Right. And we, right. but it's funny because we did have that moment of like, they would never just do that. But so uh-huh. we had the family. Yeah. We had the connection uh, giving her the heads up and yeah, it was, that was a fun payoff, but yes, you're totally right that nobody wants to help or when they are helpful, you you should be even more suspicious. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, and it's, it, but the portrayal of, so Drew, uh, that helps you out in here and there, and, it, and his casting was brilliant too. He did a great job. Great. Uh, thank all you. the casting seemed to be done really well. Uh, but you know, the, the relationship with the police department is like, I really felt like you really nailed that. It was, it reminded me of like my relationship with Allison Clayton at eight's attorney from the innocence project, you know, where yeah. we work together, but at the same time, there's that kind of tugging. Cause you know, she wants to do things her way and I want to do things my way. Right. And she has to follow the rules and I don't have to follow the rules. Right. <laughs> it's funny because as we are developing each case, we were, were, we, we being the writer and I, Melissa Sammons is her name. And so I, I'll, I'll send her podcasts or I'll send her a case that I'm interested in. And when we talk about it, I'm like, she'll say, Oh, but you can't really, you know, are you allowed to interview someone while the case is ongoing? Like, what do you mean? We do it all the time. Like, here's like 37 examples. Like podcasters have no rules. (laughs) None of us are, well, not none of us, but most of us are not broadcast journalists or any, you know, we're just normal people who right. figured out how to work a microphone and a computer. Right. And, and I think, you know, what I like about what Drew contributes, um, played by Benjamin Ayers, who is such a good actor and he played a doctor on his last show. So he brings a lot of, he kind of has that gravitas to him. Right. And he's that mm-hmm. kind of old school journalist type guy who takes that, uh, that aspect really seriously. And he, he takes his byline you know, it means a lot to him and he's going to be objective and he wants to get to the truth and he knows he has the sources and he has, 
a guy in the police department and all that. And, and so she values his opinion and his insight and his way of doing things, but you can see how she wins him over to her way too, you know, that, that her gut instinct is kind of valuable and he, they end up sort of really kind of respecting each other's way of doing things. Yeah. And you see, it's, it's all that, Everything from, like you said, with as you move through your series with, you know, everything from upgrading equipment and getting better at doing your job. But there's also that evolution of the relationship between the two of you. And it almost and it, and it has a little bit of I mean, it's hallmark. So everything's going to be OK, as you said. Right. <laughs> it has to work out. Right. Yeah. Uh, with Real Crime Profile. But, you know, there's there's always that kind of romantic kind of interest, too. And it just it was neat to watch that relationship develop as the story developed. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, I like that, that the other characters too come forward and have a place, you know, um, Eileen is the gossip columnist at the paper, but that's a really useful source too, you know, that she knows who dated who, when, or the family, you know, didn't get along with his wife or whatever, you know, like she has that backstory or she can pull up the, you know, the photos from the gala and say like, oh, he was with that woman at the party. And like everyone contributes in a way that I think I've also learned from listening to real um, podcasts. You know, you look at Colin and Susan and Rabia that they all brought in their own expertise, right? Like they, mm-hmm. they each had something they were really good at. And when you listen to them all work together, you get this show, right? Like you get what they, all the information, you get the clues that they uncovered in Undisclosed. And you sort of feel like if it were, if any one of those elements hadn't been there, maybe it wouldn't have happened that way. Yeah, that's a, and you know that was a lot of what inspired me uh, when I started doing our show. Where you know for them, their combined expertise on the show. For me, I'm kind of flying solo, other than Mike helping me with the production side. Oh, of he it. does a lot. Don't don't knock the mic. We we love Mike. Well, we'll see how well Mike makes this interview sound. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, Mike, Mike does a, t- he has the hardest job of everyone. Cause he has to make me sound good at the end of the day. Right. There's a lot of edits that go on there. I, I use that. We have a lot of post-production in the movie too. And you, and it's amazing what they can do, but it is time consuming. Yeah. I don't, I can't imagine. You should see him go. He has, he has got it down to a science. He's now programmed. He's a gamer. And so he's figured out how to install a gaming mouse on our computer that has like a keyboard on the side of it. That's hilarious. And then like programmed hotkeys for our editing software. Uh-huh. He edits a million miles a minute. Does he have a gaming chair though? Does he have like my son's gamer chair that like comes up over his head and like <laughs> He doesn't, but we talked about it because we it all started because he was having like shoulder problems because he edits so much in the position he was oh, in. Oh sure, yeah. And so I got him that mouse and he, and it's a, he sits there with one hand and it's just, and I asked him, I said, would it, cause he's a gamer and that's why he's, you right. know, he's familiar with it. I said, what if we got you one of those like gaming chairs? And I, we, I was joking with him, like, we get you like a VR headset. Yeah. And you, could just, <laughs> you could just like sit in the middle of the room with your, with your space helmet on and your, in your chair and just click away and edit podcasts on like a screen on a, like a VR screen. Right. You got a new microphone. I think Mike needs a new chair. Right. That's all I'm saying. And disregard that, Mike. You don't need that. <laughs> so you were asking me about the the story for Recovered, and the truth is, 
I do take inspiration from all the cases that have touched me and affected me. And I think, you know, the one that stands out for me was uh, Maura Murray's case. And Mm -hmm. for the first movie, I just thought, like, that's something that's not just me. I mean, right? Like, they, so many people have been impacted by that. And it's really a good case as an example of how many people can dive into the rabbit hole of, and I was saying this to the writer and Melissa and to the producers when I was pitching the show to Hallmark, I'm explaining like, you have no idea. I mean, did she take money out of the ATM or not take money out of the ATM? Like, did he come to buy a car with his daughter or not? Like every simple little thing in regular life, if nothing had happened, no one would ever think about those actions. But then when something does happen, all of a sudden the last 24 hours of your life seem to be highlighted and every little moment becomes so magnified. And I just found that to be a fascinating jumping off point for, for our movie series. I thought that that kind of emotional attachment and the family never knowing what happened, you know, you, you really have to feel for them and, and wonder what, what that must be like. And so I thought, you know, there, there's a lot of cases that kind of make you want to be a part of finding out what happened. And that's what I wanted Alex to feel. I see the parallels in this first story with the missing Maura Murray, the story in general, but also the the podcast, which if you haven't listened to that podcast, it's amazing. Yeah, it's great. Right up there was one of my for, uh, favorite true crime podcasts. Wait, which one's your favorite? I, I'm kind of partial to truth and justice. It's, oh, uh, <laughs> I knew it. That's a good one. But, you know, I know it when it was called Serial Serial Royalty. What was it? I like that better. It was Serial Dynasty. Dynasty. We can go with Serial Royalty if you want. <laughs> well, it's good too. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's, and I still have a list. I don't drive as much as I used to, so I don't get to listen to as many, but I, I always try to catch uh, Real Crime Profile. And I like a lot of them like that that are short form too. So I, if there's a particular case, like True Crime Garage, Nick and Captain are two of my favorites. Oh, I love Nick and the Captain. Yeah, they're awesome. Yep, and and Gen Gen Y with Justin and Aaron, I love theirs. Um, and then I really, really like someone knows something. I really, I like the production of it. I do too. He's in Canada, right? Yeah, yeah, he's really good, and I like his cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that does a really good job. The breakdown, I like. I haven't listened to the most recent season, but I really like the breakdown. But there's just ton, tons and tons and tons of all these great podcasts out there. And it's and I think it's really it's changing the world. I just had a question in our Friday follow-up that'll air a couple days before this, uh, where someone was like, What can we do right. to to make a difference? And I was like, you know, we we can always contact our legislators and pay attention to what we vote for. But honestly, the the millions of people that are putting so much time and effort and energy into looking at these old cases. And then some people are getting exposed for doing things that maybe were not so much on the up and up, like if nothing else, just calling attention to it. Yeah. And, you know, as like in the future, you know, I've said this for years that if, if when they're training new detectives, if they just tell them, look, do your job as though some podcaster is going to come along someday and pick apart everything you did, just do it right. Right. And I really believe that has an impact. And uh, if you haven't listened to it yet, the podcast out of Australia called The Teacher's Pet is really, like, it makes you want to tear your hair out. The The case and what happened um, is, is so heartbreaking uh, to this woman, Lynn. But the the work that this podcaster did, he's a presenter, I guess, in, in Australia, is really incredible. And he he essentially brought so much attention 
um, public outcry to this case that the police had to step up and do something. I mean, it's a case from the 80s. Like it was this guy's been living his life. No problem. And, you know, his wife is dead. And uh, so now they're going to do something about it. Thank God. And I just thought you're right. Like the the fact that people can bring attention to it and do something and say something and go out there and, and get make raise money for DNA testing or whatever, you know, whatever it needs to be to sort of circle back and make sure we don't just leave these stones unturned is, is so incredible and so important. It's awesome. And I, I haven't listened to that one, but I've heard a lot of really good thing about the teacher's pet. Yeah, I highly recommend it. And, and another one that I haven't had a chance to listen to that a, a lot of people have talked about, and maybe you've heard it, is the, gosh, I can't remember the name. The, they cover the Curtis Flowers case. Oh, yeah. Does that one ring a bell to you? Yeah, Curtis Flowers is, uh, I'd have to look it up. But yes, yeah, she's fantastic. And uh, she did a really good job with that podcast. I, and you know what else I like about it is she's a little more, um, uh, you know, she's an indie podcaster. I think she's out there on her own, really like doing what she believes in. So I, I love that too. I, I mean, I like the big fancy ones, but she's doing it. I found it. I found it. It's in the dark podcast. In the dark. Right. That's so right. check out in the dark podcast and I'll do the same because I've heard great things about it. But yeah, so getting back to your show. So the first one the, in the, in the first movie, obviously it, there's a resolution at the end of it. And, and so going forward now, I haven't seen, I was on a plane when the second one dropped and I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. Uh, but can you give us a little breakdown without yeah. spoiling anything of the second one? Okay, so the second one is called The Wrong Man. And the premise is a woman has uh, – a couple was married. She died and under mysterious circumstances. And they prosecuted the husband without the body. And he was not convicted. And he brings the podcast to Alex and says – or he brings the case to Alex and says, I didn't do it. No one in town will talk to me. I'm a pariah. Can you please make my wife's case that your new podcast? And she sort of reluctantly has this conversation with him, but in which she says, like, but if it's you, I'm not running away from that. You know, I'm, I'm going to get to the, my job is to get to the truth, not to take your side and make you look innocent. And, you know, one thing that convinces her he's, he's telling the truth is that he sort of, he willingly hands over the case and wants her to do it anyway. But as evidence unfolds, they find the body afterwards and during, in the beginning of the movie and new evidence comes forward, new people, uh, come, witnesses come forward and he starts to look guilty again. And Alex is really struggling with this, her gut instinct versus, uh, the facts as they present themselves. And of course, as you've now seen from the first one, you know, we don't shy away from a little bit of suspense some danger. We want, you know, we wanted to embrace this idea that people have kept a secret or people have managed to hide the truth for a long time. They're certainly not going to give up on that now. And they're going to do whatever they have to, to keep it from being revealed on this podcast. So, so it, it gets a little dangerous, but we wanted to play with the idea that the court of public opinion is different from whether or not the jury found him guilty. Well, that's awesome. And that one definitely sounds very uh, true to form to what we do, especially with what you said at the beginning. I mean, that's the conversation I have with every single case that makes it through our initial screening the next step is me to whether it's through letters through prison mail or if I get on the phone with the with the inmates themselves 
as I make crystal clear to them, we're going to dig. We're going to dig deeper than anyone has ever dug into this case. And I'm going to present the truth. And so if you actually did this, you don't want me to cover your case. Because if, if I find out you did it, the whole world's going to know and you're done. You're dead in the water with any appeals. And I have had actually two different inmates that declined. They, they didn't say, well, I am guilty. So don't right. do it. They're <laughs> like, after, uh, okay. Yeah. After, after that, I got a letter through JPay that, you know, a couple of days later that's, or, you know, that they mailed a couple of days later that said, you know, actually I've changed my mind. I don't want to have you do it, but that's, it's, it's interesting. It's just neat that you're able to kind of capture that too. Yeah. And, and what I le- actually, right. When you talked about, it, especially the beginning of the Melgar's case and actually in, I can't remember if it was season two or three of Undisclosed, where I found myself like really going through the emotions, listening to it of like, well, maybe why did Bob take this case? Like, it does sound like they know what they're talking about, right? Like you you really pr- helped me see every side of it so that then when I come to my own conclusion at the end of all the information, I don't feel like I've been, it's been misrepresented to me. And I think that's what I want for Alex. I want her to, I want my character and I want the audience to really get like, this was the prosecution's case. This is what they had. This is, I mean, she did have the cell phone in her hand or whatever, you know, and like, you want to make sure that all those angles and all the evidence is covered. And then they, and then they dig deeper and then they go underneath it. And Mm -hmm. it's sort of heartbreaking, especially your current case, the Melgars, like how, how are you still today doing more work by a ton than the people who put her in prison? Like, I just don't understand. I just don't understand that. It's so incredibly frustrating, and and I love the fact that your husband is is a cop too. Does he listen to any of this any of these podcasts? Um, so no, he does not. Uh, I talk to him about them all the time, and he's watched a few of the documentaries and stuff with me. But he gets frustrated, also, you know, like you, right? Like he's he takes his job really seriously, and it really matters right. to him. And he is someone who passionately believes in the justice system and his his role to play in that. And so it's frustrating to feel like you do your job the best you possibly can. And when you f- see that not everybody takes it, that's, I don't know if it's that they don't take it seriously or they're not that good at it or w- whatever the circumstances are, it's incredibly, he, it's hard for him not to take it personally. And so that's, it's hard for him. Right. And and that's, I think it's important to point out because I get that question a lot. Like you're, you're so hard on law enforcement. Do all these cops hate you? But my experience has been most like 95 or more percent of cops are good cops. And right. nobody hates a crooked cop more than a cop. Good cop. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. I don't have any problem with law enforcement. I love, I've worked with them for years. I love law enforcement, what they do. It's just that some of these people come out and they give the rest of them, guys like your husband, a bad name by making it look like this is how police are supposed to act. Because it is in this case, like you said, it's it's insane that the amount of – from us just looking at old documents and going out and interviewing people as independent podcaster are doing mountains more work than they ever did on this case. And it was right. their job, their only job to solve this case. Right. And 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 the part that no matter – and you say this on the show, so I'm just repeating it. But the part that you say that, that does sort of like just nails on a chalkboard for me is that that no matter – whether you believe that she did it or not, no matter which side of the case you fall down on, the bottom line is they, it's the same as Adnan's attorney. You didn't call anybody. You didn't follow up. 
You didn't mm-hmm. ask anybody anything after that initial night. I, I don't know how you can possibly come to any conclusions without any further investigation. I mean, I think about the cases my husband works on and like the weeks he spends and the hours he spends interviewing people and following up and asking them again another time, like just to confirm that that's the story or that's, right. you, they remembered it. I mean, like to come away with like, you know, the, the family's statement or not even statements or whatever they, the, that opening conversation they had that night and never follow up is, I don't know, that seems unforgivable to me. I kind of revealed it on on the podcast a, a few weeks ago, but when I was even with my initial screening of the case and looking, one of the things I do is always look at the initial investigation and see, you know, did the police have blinders on? Were they missing something? And when I saw that on that night they wanted to file charges and there wasn't enough evidence, and then you know a year and a half later they filed charges and nothing changed in between there. Right, it's a red flag. Yeah, I'm like, okay, I'm t- I'm taking this case. If there wasn't enough then, and nothing changed in between, there still shouldn't have been enough. Something's wrong here. Right, right. And and I I want to say too, I really appreciate what you said about the way we presented this case at the beginning. That you know we present the other side and let you see everything because we th- that's it's a struggle doing doing what I do, but I try very hard to do. That's why I always present the prosecution's case first. Right is to let everybody see that, you know, this is what the other side, in this case, we were lucky enough to have the prosecutor herself come on. And, you know, and that's something that evolves too. you know, every every season I'm learning more and more about how to present the case. And, and this season I made a conscious effort that I'm really going to, as best I can make the guilty argument first. And it, it worked. It created some controversy because a lot of people that I think normally would have assumed she was innocent were like, no, maybe she is guilty. And then it took, Six weeks for people to realize what was actually out there to come back around. But that's, I think, a more compelling, it feels more truthful to then really come away with the conclusions that you draw because you have to look at both sides. I mean, if you're going to make that accusation that they were tunnel vision and they, you know, they had confirmation bias, then you have to make sure that you don't. And I feel like hitting every single possible element of it, of what their argument was. Also because there are 12 people who did convict. And right. and so you have to be respectful of how hard the, how hard it is to be a juror. I've been a juror and it's hard and you get nervous and you're worried about doing the wrong. I mean, you talked about that woman crying. It, it breaks my heart because I can sympathize with this pressure that is put on you. You're looking over at this lady sitting there and and you have to decide you're the one who has to live with what happens to her. And I imagine that's incredibly serious and hard. And obviously they came to the conclusion they did. And based on the information that they had, you can see how that happened. Yeah. And I, you know, and the pressure comes from so many different places too. that particular woman that was, you know, crying when they read the verdict, you know, it's the pressure of making this decision for someone else's life. And then you feel like you've made the right decision. And then you have the pressure from the other jurors. And that's not just this case. That's any case during the deliberation process. And then at some point, if you go to like Ed eight's case, where then you throw in the pressures from the judge. Right. That compounds the pressure of the other jurors because they told them three different times. Right. That they couldn't come to a, a conclusion. And then he mm-hmm. basically browbeats them into I mean, it, it felt almost like 
they were being punished. Like, we're never going to let you leave until right. one, one side or the other gives in. And then, you know, now you're like the lone holdout or you're one of three holdouts or whatever. And you're like, oh, God, I just may hopefully it'll get fixed somewhere down the line. I, I have to go home. Right. And that's, you know, in that case, that the one woman uh, juror that we interviewed in that in Ed's case, you know, that was all, I, I looked at the notes to the judge at eight o'clock at night on Thursday night where it says we're hopelessly deadlocked 11 to two. He issues another Allen charge, tells them you're not going home for the weekend until I get a verdict. They come in Friday morning and, you know, within a half hour the next morning, they have a unanimous verdict. And I asked her, you know, what change, what changed between eight o'clock at night and nine in the morning? And she said, when you're not allowed to talk about it or look at any further information, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right. What changed? And she said nothing. It was just, I just, he made it very clear that if we didn't all agree and I was holding everybody up and yeah, God, it's horrible. It's really sad. So, I mean, that, that's just a good example though, of how many, how much there is to cover and talk about in this space, right? What I love about the also playing a podcaster is that you're not limited to even necessarily a murder case, right? Like there are so many different aspects of the justice system of wrongful convictions or, or, you know, cold cases that just went unsolved. Like there's so many different avenues to pursue. The world is just out there waiting for, you know, Alex to find a new case or for people to bring it to her. And, you know, we have the situation where we could tap into any of that, you know, like you could, another case we're thinking about doing would be more like what's a a case that's ongoing, you know, a a case Mm -hmm. that's on trial right then and sort of more following the trial or, you know, just uh, maybe something that's different from a murder case, something that's more like someone's about to get killed, you know, like there's a thousand different ways to go with it. Yeah. And there's so many shows, you know, it's like the the breakdown did something similar like that. They were following a uh, case as it was going through trial. And I really like, did you listen to the, is it season three, the most recent season of Serial? I did. I, you know, I really liked it. Um, uh, but I didn't get through the entire season, to be honest. I, I like Serial and I like her structure. I like, her storytelling, I think, is so mm-hmm. smart, and she She's does so such good. a great job. And when she was in that courthouse, she talked about being on the elevator, like how everyone rides the elevator together. I like there's such great human moments in that. Mm-hmm. So I think she did a really good job. And then it was interesting, right? Like the negotiations that happen behind the scenes and lawyers' egos that get involved that have nothing to do with the case. Like, oh, you said something that offended me yesterday, and I'm not gonna, so I'm not playing out with you. And you're like, what? Right. And the client's just hanging in the wind there. Right. And then that poor lady, the lady who was in the bar fight. And I mean, I showed that to my husband. I was like, hold on now. You have to watch this and tell me, tell me what your conclusion is of this. I pulled it up on YouTube because I was so outraged for this woman. And the punishment was really like the 37 times she had to appear in court and the money lost her in her job and wages to like go back and forth. And I mean, Oh, that was a that was a heartbreaking story. Yeah, and that was I really I really I didn't care so much for season two, but this one I, it was just a completely different approach. But it was it was a really good education into how our system really works. And then it makes me think twice again when I look at all the cases that are pitched to us all the time and we screen. You know, when I come across where they you know they pled guilty, pled guilty, and I'm like, well, if you pled guilty, and it's just such a legal hurdle. And we went through it with Kenny Snow. And then I look back and it's like, God, look at all the people, just the ones she covered that pled guilty when they didn't do anything wrong. Right. Just to make it stop. 
And it, I thought that was just like, it's so enlightening because, you know, knock wood, like that's not my life. I, I hopefully never have an experience other than the, you know, traffic ticket or something or serving jury duty to like find myself in that situation. Um, so if you don't work the system, like if you're not a deputy or a, a lawyer or whatever, you're one of the people dealing with it. And, and if you like for me, I, that's just not, I don't have familiarity with it. So. I just see it on Law and Order or whatever, you know, and uh-huh. and this is like it's just so eye opening to realize as great as our system is, and it it you know I, I'm the first person to support. Like I would rather you know you watch Locked Up Abroad, I'd rather be here, commit a crime here than anywhere in the world, right? But it's it's got flaws. There are lots. Of, there's lots of room for improvement. And we should be aware of it. You can't just willy nilly go through life like, oh, I'm sure you know. If they if they put them in handcuffs, they must have done something. It's not the right way to look at it. Right, and and that's part of I think the flaw in our jury system. I don't know how to correct it, but you know, in this in this week's episode, we looked at the testimonies of uh, Stephanie Roberts and Jennifer Martinez. Martinez being the police officer, and I, I was trying to get the point through to people. Like, do you understand the impact it has on a jury when a uniformed police officer says there was no forced entry, nothing was stolen? It's right. like it doesn't matter what gets said after that. The cops said it, so it must be true. Right. Right. It's unbelievable. And yes, you're 100% right. I can't back away from the uniform having that impression, but any expert, really. I mean, you look at the staircase and that expert, I mean, it's just so, no matter how you feel about whether or not he did it, that expert witness who got up there and testified to the blood spatter evidence, and I mean, he basically fabricated, the whole thing is his dream. Like he made all mm-hmm. of it up and he made up his resume. He made up his history. And, and who knows how many guilty people are walking free today because of his, because of his lies and his bad science. And, you know, I mean, I feel like that's, that's a really scary thing to think of too. Yeah. There, there's, there's so many layers to that onion, you know, and, and it kind of goes back even, you know, just speaking of the layers, like you were talking about, as far as your character being able to go on and and there's just such a wealth of different types of cases for podcasters to cover. You know, I'm kind of going through that right now as we're getting, you know, especially after we did the piece on 2020, you know, we really got an influx of people throwing cases at us. Right. And especially from those viewers that don't know exactly what we do, we're getting a lot of cases thrown at us that aren't are typical, you know, they're not wrongful convictions. Some of them are cold cases and missing people. And, and then uh, you've got one really interesting one, of someone that was declared a suicide and the family believes he was murdered and the case was closed. And so now I'm trying to figure out some of these are really compelling. They're things I really want to investigate. I really want to help. And I think they'll make a compelling podcast, but it's like, is that still a truth and justice or do I do this as a, as a offshoot as another program? But there's just such a wealth out there of people that need help. In all your free time, you should do that. Right, exactly. <laughs> but right, what you offer that I think is so amazing, right? You said you didn't, you were on your own. You're not on your own. You have like the Truth and Justice Army that is out there. I love mm-hmm. listening to all the people who participate. I loved in the Memphis 3 case, the woman who came forward and made that map on YouTube of like all their tracking their movements. Like I, oh, yeah, it, Abby Scott. Yep. Yeah, I really struggled. Like I, I'm not kidding. I listened to that that section like three times, like, okay, now what, like I needed the visual and that was amazing. And I just love that people, everyone has their skill set and their part. And I was thinking like when you had those people come on and read it in Spanish, like, oh my gosh, that's amazing that 
mm-hmm. and wonderful that people are willing to donate their time and they want to help and they want to they want to do what they do to contribute. And that's, and that's such, so valuable. And I feel like the, I love that I can sort of honor that and celebrate that in, in the podcast, which is that, or in the movie in Chronicle Mysteries, that everyone has their skill set and they can contribute to the case, whatever it may be. And that everyone has something that makes a difference that everyone can participate. And I love that. And that's what I love so much about what I do has kind of stumbled into this, this movement that we have now is, is that everyone, everyone has a skill set that at some point will come into where we need it. And then just everybody's, it, it's, it's it restores my faith in humanity that there's so many people willing to help and whatever I need, it always had like, you know, the, the translating into Spanish. I just had, I'm working on right now doing an interview with the victims from the Kingwood home invasion that was very similar, but I was, I tried every possible means necessary to get a hold of these people and I could not get them on the phone. I couldn't get a Facebook message to them. And so all I, I went on the, the fan page on Facebook that said, Hey, does anybody live in the North Houston area that might be able to help me out? Send me a message. And two hours later, I had a listener delivering a letter that I typed out and emailed them wow. to the family and, you know, knocked on their door, introduced themselves, presented them the letter. And then, 10 minutes later, she called me and away we go. And it's just everybody can help in some way. And the fact that everybody's willing willing to to help. And they want to. Because you feel like you can make, you can feel like some small part of, of making a difference. And like you said, all those people who come to you now asking for help and wanting awareness brought to their case. Or, you know, I watch, um, cold justice on, is it on oxygen? Yeah. And, like those are, that's a whole different breed, right? These cold cases that just went unsolved because 30 years ago, you know, she didn't want to talk about what her boyfriend was up to, you know, she's going to stand by her man. And then now she's like, Oh boy, I'm so glad I got out of that relationship. Like he said to me, you know, and, and then they can, I'm sure a lot of these towns do not have the money for DNA evidence. I don't, I don't, I can't speak for the show. I don't know how that all works, but I have, my suspicion is that there's, you know, money needed to get that, that DNA testing done. It's not cheap. And so if we're helping contribute to these crimes getting solved, you know, thank God. And, um, sometimes it does need time and those cold cases need fresh eyes or a new perspective or, you know, a a different time to pass for those witnesses to finally come forward. Mm -hmm. And a different approach too. It sometimes is very different for just a average everyday ordinary off the street person to come ask you something as opposed to you know the the channel 22 news truck pulls up out front right or or the detective who's scared you you know in the moment and so the third movie that i have coming out this coming sunday which maybe is not right for when this airs but actually it's going to be for those of you listening to this when this episode drops today it's on tonight because this is actually going to drop on sunday oh fantastic okay so tonight is the third installment of Chronicle Mysteries. It's called Vines That Bind. And it reminds me of one of the cases you just mentioned that someone came to you about where a man is a winemaker. And I looked into a bunch of sort of frightening accidents that happen in wineries where you're cleaning out the vats and people can die from asphyxiation if they're not properly ventilated um, because of the ammonia. And so it is an accident that does happen, unfortunately, too frequently, but it is also suspicious, right? And so this man who's very experienced passes away 
And the family, some of the family thinks that he, it was not an accident. Some of the family thinks there's no way he would have gone into there and not made sure all the vents were open. He would never make that mistake. He hasn't made that mistake his whole life. And other people are saying, you know, these accidents happen. He's older. It happens. Uh, let's just move on, you know? And so in comes Alex to this very, family oriented drama of whether or not it was a murder in the first place. Well, that sounds awesome. And that's the one that airs tonight. Yes. Is there going to be any more? I know you had a, a deal for three movies, right? Is there going to be a fourth? Yeah, well, so we've had really great reaction to the first three and Hallmark immediately approached us to make some more for next year. So yeah, we're um, hard at work developing new scripts and getting ready to start shooting soon. Well, that's awesome. I'm looking forward to it. You've got me as a rule, I don't generally watch Hallmark movies, but you got me hooked now. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. Thank you. And I have uh, I have a friend, my friend Kelly, that lives on Hallmark movies, and she's and she's very thrilled now that I'm watching Good. a Hallmark movie. Yeah, we, we brought you over. And I want to just say to everyone listening that I called you to get your advice on some firefighter dialogue because, of course, there is a handsome fireman. Uh, in the story. And He's inspired by Bob Ruff. He clearly. is inspired by Bob <laughs> Ruff for sure. And uh, I needed him to have like legit good lines of dialogue uh, regarding a crime scene. So thank you for being so awesome and talking to me about that. And I felt badly because I took like an hour of your time and you listened to the whole, st- my whole story for the movie. And all I needed was like one line of dialogue. What we well, we had a whole scene for him, and then of course it gets cut down to one line of dialogue. But it was a good one, and it was yours. So shout out! I did see that, and as soon as the fire trucks were there, actually Becky was in the bathroom. Like, get in here! Here comes my spot! Here comes! Here's the fire. Here it comes! But then it was raining that night. We were shooting the scene, and the house is supposed to be on fire. And I was like. Ha! I wonder if you need fire checks in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. It was like, have you ever seen um, the movie Bad Boys 2? No. <laughs> oh, it's too bad because it, I looked exactly like Will Smith in the scene when he was trying to show him how they didn't blow up the whole town. Right. And he's like, no, 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 wait, wait, no. Right there. There it was. There it was. That, was <laughs> that line, that line right there. That's, that's the one me. I told her. that's awesome well i i have another idea for a movie this year that i am going to use this opportunity to hit you up for more info on because um yeah fireman sean is going to need to be a hero again so excellent i can absolutely advise you on that and i think with that i'll let you go i know you've got a busy day you're probably doing all kinds of press right now for your new shows coming out but thank you so much allison for taking the time to come on the show and telling us a little about the case and telling everybody that i'm a handsome fireman i appreciate it well i'm that part they already knew but thank you so much for having me on i love please know how much i love listening to your show and and that i think what you do and everyone who helps you is just so incredible and inspiring and i listen to it every sunday morning i'm like can't wait to get my phone downloaded because it makes my Sunday. All right. Well, thanks so much, Ali. I really, really, really appreciate it. All right. That's it. I hope all of you really enjoyed that interview. I know I really enjoyed my discussion with Allison. She has a lot of really unique perspectives because her husband's in law enforcement and she's a huge true crime fan. And if you haven't checked out The Chronicle Mysteries, it's definitely worth the watch. She does a really, really good job of capturing the work that we do in her movie. Talking with Allison was a lot of fun. 
And I do hope you guys enjoyed it. And next week we'll be back to a normal episode as I begin to break down Harris County Detective James Doucet's trial testimony. That's next week on Truth and Justice. Truth and Justice is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Mike Bussing is our executive producer and Shane Yoder is our sound engineer. All music for the show was created, composed, and scored by PutThemInASong.com, who also mixed and mastered this episode. Our Season 6 logo was also created by Shane Yoder of PutThemInASong.com. And all of our font across all of our logos and banners was created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, Truth and Justice Pod, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. Thank you to our transcription team, Rachel Timberman, Natalie Alicia, Pamela Westby, Katherine Chrisman, and Jen Reese Incandela. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in a number of ways. To financially support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. On the Patreon page, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we have reward levels on Patreon that include access to behind-the-scenes videos of the tapings of our Friday follow-up episodes, Truth and Justice Army t-shirts and hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. You can also help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the companies that sponsor this program. And if you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com, just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is engage in the investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page. For all of you tweeters, you can connect with us on Twitter. The show's handle is at truthjusticepod, and my personal Twitter handle is at bobruftruth. For more personal interactions, feel free to follow me on Instagram at truthjusticepod. Don't forget, we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, or tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, I'm signing off. I'm Bob Ruff, and this has been Truth and Justice. Jumanji just got real. Only at Chessington World of Adventures. Featuring Daredevil Dad, Mom on a Mission, and the kids who can't wait to ride the world's first Jumanji roller coaster. An epic adventure awaits. World of Jumanji. Only at Chessington World of Adventures. Book this summer's must-do day out at Chessington.com.